Blog Talk Radio. What's going on, Modern Nation? I'm Anthony Salome, live with another episode of the Rush Podcast, here with the one and only... Tim Floyd's favorite blogger. Tim Floyd's favorite blogger. <laughs> Alex, and we're just talking good. about how we need a drop for the opening of this show. Uh, we're hoping Coach Floyd could do that for us. Coach Floyd, if you're listening to this, or if any of the SIDs are, let's see if we can make that happen, because... Uh, Alex tends to think that uh, he's he's Floyd's favorite of the bloggers, so um, maybe, maybe, maybe he, he respects my question. There you <laughs> go, there you go. What's up, Modern Nation? It's been a uh, long time coming for this one. I know it's only been since Saturday, but damn, it's just been waiting to get on this one. Been itching. I know a lot of people out there. Hopefully, our uh, y'all hit up the thread. I know y'all hit up Twitter, and y'all let us know what you thought. It's a tough one, man. Fifty-two, twelve loss from the football team. Um. Yeah, hit hit us up on the phone line nine three four seven nine three four zero nine five one. Get in. We want to hear from y'all. We got a lot of hot takes, and this is get right into it. I mean, <laughs> Anthony made these beautiful show notes here for us, and go. and the first thing that jumped to my mind was the first thing that 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 jumped to my eyes was the outgained five eighteen to two sixty seven, and that right there. I mean, as as bad as the offense has been. Um, you know, we all know about, you know, the Aaron Jones situation, da, 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 da. that defense just took a big step back more than anything to yeah. me. And that was probably the most disappointing thing because FIU ran 55 plays and they put up 45 offensive points. UTEP ran 70 something plays, averaged 200 or and gained 267 yards. I mean, that's just right there is to tell the story and, and Really, even before this game, you're going in, and FIU is not an explosive team. No, not I mean, at all. They were not, averaging like 21, 24 points a game. And they had they had scored – they had been averaging about 19 points in their past couple of games as well. And, I mean, that's just – it's unacceptable. Um, you know, and, and you look at both sides of it. Offensively, we've really been hammering on the coaching staff, um, and it's rightfully so. Defensively, I'm not going to say I want to give Scott Stoker a pass, but I want to give him a pass. I think – we're just so young and, and, and so small and, and don't have that type of athlete that we had back there in the secondary. And I think a lot of people, I don't know where this was coming from because we even talked about it before the season started where everybody talking about, oh, so many pieces coming back on the defensive side of the ball when actuality really wasn't true. I mean, we yeah. lost a lot. We lost a guy in the middle, Maurice Chavis, to start off. You lose Wes Miller. You lose Jameel Irving. You lose Adrian James. You lose Nick Gathright. I mean, not only – I mean, Devin Cockrell, the injury – so we're more depleted, I think, on the defensive side coming into the season. Now, the defensive end position is really well built with Usher and Roy and even Alex Villarreal, Villarreal in the middle. You got Jimmy Musgrave, you got Trey Brown, and you have Alvin Jones. But other than that, there really was nobody else that really, really you could say that, oh, this defense is going to be a juggernaut. And we're really seeing that now. And, and, and I just don't get that whole – um, you know, and even Cougar and, and the staff was saying, you know, of so much guys coming back on defense when really there wasn't. Yeah. And and I think that we're just not seeing execution on the defensive side. Let me let me say something real quick because you know, you mentioned giving the OCs a free pass. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm a, I was typing the DC. The, the DC. Okay, you know, Stoker's staff. Okay, I, I could I could I could I could see that, and I do agree. You, you talk about all the all the the, the guys that graduated. Um, the the young guys that are coming in in the secondary, um, but and I guess my point was more aimed at the OC because oh, I was yeah. typing I was typing here on yeah, Twitter. Yeah, 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 but, yeah. but to kind of switch things over a second because I know there are still people out there that might have to give Kugler a free pass and give a 
see even Higgins a free pass on play calling, on everything that's been going on. Because of the injuries, because mm-hmm. of the Aaron Jones situation, because of somewhat of bad luck that's happened to this team on offense. I mean, you talk about the quarterback situation with Leftwich going out when he was the guy that they really wanted to be that guy. Aaron Jones obviously went out the game before. So there's been some bad things that happened to this offense. But the only reason that I cannot give a free pass to Kugler or Higgins especially is because this isn't the first time around. This exactly. isn't this isn't year one. Two and a half years. This is two man. and a half years now. And and every year we've seen the same thing. And in the first year, you know, we kind of let it slide because we said, well, you know, they're they're just coming in and they're trying to – 27 guys off the team. Yeah, they're trying to weed things out. They're trying to get these guys out of here and build their program and they want to do what they want to do. So they're just going to run the ball to kind of get through this year and that's what they're going to do. And we gave them that that free pass. That's fine. Year two comes along and, again, we gave them the free pass because they had Aaron Jones and because it was working with Aaron Jones. But this is year three, and you've put all your eggs in one basket, and you have no backup plan. And you know what? Screw it. You don't have a backup plan, right? But you guys are football coaches, and you've been in this business for decades. You're telling me that that you don't have plays in the book to stretch the field vertically? You can't go out there and throw throw your, your, your play calling, your book, out the window and just say, you know what? We're two and four. Our season is pretty much lost at this point. Fuck it. Let's scrap it, and let's just go for it. Let these kids play. Let them go out there and make plays. And if we lose 52-12 to 12, trying to stretch the field, trying to do things differently, then we lose 52-12. to 12. I, I kind of compare it to our Cowboys. Well, I say our Cowboys. Our I, I, know, I know you're a Cowboys nah, fan. Nah. I know you're a Cowboys fan. No, I look at the Cowboys, and it was the same thing with Brandon Wheaton at quarterback. This guy just has never had it. Never. With the Browns, he couldn't get it done. And with the Cowboys, he hasn't been able to get it done. He's a great backup. When he's a starter, he can't do it. The point is, it's not working. And they continue to start him. They continue to start him. And now they finally made that switch. But it's the same thing with the Miners. They continue to try to run the same plays, that same predictable vanilla play play calling. How many times on the opening two or three drives did we see I formation straight die. Five 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 I formation plays and a bubble screen that, in your first six plays. That regardless of what is going on with your team, that is just shitty play calling. That is just pathetic, abysmal. Just I, I feel like Stephen A. Smith here. If I can but break oh, out, oh. out a dictionary right now, <laughs> <laughs> it was just terrible, terrible play calling. Yep. I don't care what level of football you're at. I don't care what's going on with your team to run. Just pretty much just straight dives out of the eye for, what, five or six play, five of six plays? What are you playing, Madden? Man, I couldn't agree more with you. And kind of going back to my point about giving passes, you look at, at the defensive side of the ball and our struggles in the secondary, so many new guys. Offensively, Ryan Metz has been around for two years. Garrett Simpson's been around for two years. Mac Leftwich has been around for two years. Cole Freytag's been around for three years. Tyler Batson's been around for two years. Atre Golden's been around for five years. This isn't nothing new. I, I can give Stoker the pass to the secondary struggles because all these guys were playing high school football. My biggest beef is, you ha- like you mentioned, three years, but this is not a different cast of players just because Aaron Jones goes out. All the guys that I mentioned, Jaquan White has been here since 2013. I mean, you have these a backup plan 
and just like you, I mean, you hit it on the head. Well, I feel like I've been here. Lafasa's been here since year one. A, a, a backup. If you're not having a back a backup plan and you have a bunch of freshmen and your offense is brand new, you can get a pass. But when you have all these guys that have been either scout team members, uh, second team, third team depth chart members, guys that have been in your program, there's no excuse. There is no excuse for that. And like you said, year three with everybody that has been around. I mean, and these guys are going to be around most. I mean, Batson's a sophomore, Jaquan White's a junior. You throw Atre Golden, obviously Atre Golden is a senior, as we all know. But still, the fact is, is that you've had not only time, but you've had these guys to develop. I just don't see no offensive development. And on that note, too, we're talking about the skill guys. The offensive line has taken huge step back in yeah. a couple of weeks. It yeah. starts in the middle. I, I think Eric Lee is really, really struggling. And really where the, where the issues started coming is when John De La Rosa went out. And now we have Chris Thomas on the right side. And De La Rosa was a beast. I mean, De La Rosa was a guy that just – he's a big man, probably the biggest man on that football team next to Chris, Big Chris. But, I mean, that, was, that is the bigger issue to me is the offensive line and how they've regressed over the past two weeks against decent defenses. That's alarming because we didn't see that last year. We faced a really good defense in UT San Antonio last year, dominated them. We saw a good defense in Middle Tennessee with almost the same group, dominated them. You know, for, for a point there against Utah State, we were kind of able to, to not really control the line of scrimmage but push back a little bit. That is, has to be the biggest alarming thing is, is how far the defensive line, the offensive line has fallen because we recruited so hard there because because we have offensive line exactly offensive line and, and and Spencer Leftwich is one of the better offensive line coaches I've seen it from my own eyes so it just really everything in this I mean I just don't see how this has been able to regress with so many guys defense like I said they lost a lot in my opinion you know you can say whatever how many returning starters but the fact is is the guys that made some of the key plays last year are gone offensively there's no reason why this team shouldn't be averaging 200 yards rushing and at least a buck 50 through the air with, like I said, three years of some sort of plan A, plan B, plan C. I mean, you're not – it's just it's just mind-boggling that Aaron Jones is, still has the second most carries on this team and is still leading this team in rushing. And a guy like LaQuintus Dow, who, has, who had 77 yards in a big run against New Mexico State, has only had 15 carries in the last three weeks. There's more than – then what we're identifying here, there's an identity crisis on yeah. this team. And it's sad because, you know, all the, it seems like all the chips were put in Aaron Jones, which, you, which, which is correct. But where's your backup plan? Yeah. I mean, you, you can talk to a Nick Saban. You can talk to whoever. You know, Nick Saban building his offense around, throwing out a name, Trent Richardson. You know, yeah, what's your you backup what, plan man, in, you know in those what, situations? You, you Maybe that's a bad look, way. I, but, I don't even have to look at the stats. Go look, go look at that team, and I guarantee you there was balance. Yeah. I guarantee you there was yep. balance. And that means that if Trent Richardson goes down, not only is there somebody behind him to pick up the slack. Now, maybe it's not going to be at the same level of production as Trent Richardson, but they're going to be there There's the plan. doing well. They're going to continue to run the ball, and that passing game is still going to allow them to run the ball because that is, is where we've really, really gone wrong is in this passing game. I don't know. I mean, there are – we've mentioned a number of the guys. You talk about White, Freytag, whatever, who might be, Autrey Golden. There are guys, there are weapons out there that we have not utilized in any way. And, and, it's, and it's, it's just amazing to me how everything is just swing passes, hitches, bubble screens. It's just it's – just, it's everything underneath. It's backs out of the backfield. It's just it, – it, it makes 
it makes no sense. And all you're doing is backing your own self into a corner by allowing the defense to key on the first 10 yards, you know, the first 10 yards from the line of scrimmage. And, and I mean, look, talk about the offensive line. Cougar's an offensive line guy. There's no reason for that. That was Allen supposed to be, besides Aaron Jones, that was supposed to be our strongest area. That was our biggest asset was our offensive line. And, yeah, they, they have definitely been unimpressive. They've underachieved. There's no question about it. And, and there's no question that also the, the the loss of Aaron Jones is deflating to the team. Yeah. There's no question about that. But that's not and an excuse. And to the head coach. Like to the head coach it. as well. There's no question. But that's not an excuse. Right. This is Division One football, man. This isn't peewee league. You still got to go out there and perform. I understand this is just a game. You know, these kids are here to get their their degrees. That's the main thing. I understand that. I get it. But, look, you're still out there playing Division One football. You're not out there to go get your ass kicked 52 to 12. And and it's easy to say that from behind this microphone. I understand that. I had a very candid argument with, with somebody <laughs> that I won't even give him the time of day to mention his name. You know, we went at it on Twitter back and forth about, about this, basically about this exact issue about of, an hour of long. what's going on. At least, man, <laughs> at least took up too much of my time. But the point is, you know, there are just so many issues on this team, and it all points back to Sean Kugler. And, and unfortunately, you know, maybe he's – we don't know what goes on in the locker room behind closed doors. We don't know. But unfortunately, that blame is going to get placed on him, and it should get placed on him. I, 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 I'm not going to go out and say that, oh, we need to fire Kugler, because honestly, I'm not there yet. I've given up on him as far as what he's doing right now, as far as, you know – what he his, his his strategizing his game planning I, I I'm I'm out I don't I hope it changes completely I'm not saying fire him but I think he's got a lot of changes to make or else he will have his ass out of here very very soon obviously we talked about it in the past the first thing is the coordinators um you know like we said we kind of give Stoker that that pass Higgins not so much um you know I I I have never really taken a, a, a good look at, at Higgins' resume. I know that he was here for the big year in 2000, if I'm not mistaken, right? He was here 2000, or like, what, 97? Yeah. Let, I don't know exactly. But, you know, he's got that on his resume, that, that one big year. But it just seems like everywhere he's been, I know the Purdue offenses weren't that great that he was a part of. Nope. You know, I, 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 he doesn't have the credentials, and he doesn't have – he hasn't proven it here, you know, to kind of continue what he's doing. Now, I don't know also. Maybe his hands are tied. That's another thing that we haven't even really talked about. Maybe his hands are tied. Maybe Cougar's out there telling him, look, this is what we're doing. You may be the OC, but I'm the head coach. This is what we're doing. We don't know. But no matter what the situation is, changes need to be made. And, and if that has to come from Bob Stahl to go down there and be like, look, this isn't what we're about, you know? Make things happen. Change them. And look, and I don't mind losing. That's the thing. I hate losing. But if that if you said football, we understand. But if, if, if you're gonna lose games, yeah. if you lose, you lose. That's fine. It, it, I I can take these. And and the, like, the other thing is, I'll get to it in a second. I can take losing. I cannot take fifty-two to twelve, getting my ass beat, looking like we don't give a shit out there, looking like we're just we're not even a football team. And not only that, but in front of eight hundred people at FIU. I mean, <laughs> I, I that that is just completely yeah. unacceptable. And, and what I was gonna say is about the about the about the, the kids is like, look, if they're out there, they're all leaving it all out there. That's all you can ask of them. That's it. And I don't hold anything against them. But if they're out there quitting on this guy, 
quitting on their fellow teammates and just kind of disconnected from, from the entire situation, then everything that Kugler stands for and has tried to build here has been for naught because that's exactly what he's talked about. Yeah, and, and I mean, there, there's some sort of disconnect with, either with whether it could be promised playing time, whether it could be the offensive scheme. But, I mean, I think that there does have to be changes in the offensive play calling. I really, in my opinion, I really think so because, I mean, it's just – it's the same crap that we've seen over the past couple of years. There's no development in our quarterbacks. There's no development in our past game. There's no development in, 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 there's no really growth year to year. You know, you always see when a new coach takes over new scheme, new regime, you see improvement statistically. We're not seeing that. We're seeing things just get worse. We're seeing things more relied upon a, a guy like Aaron Jones. Like I said, you want to rely on him, but you know, you can't have him as as your only option offensively. It's just bullshit. Not at this level. High school, yeah, you probably get away with that and, and, and look pretty damn good and run everybody out of El Paso. But what happens when you get to playoff? You get your ass stomped. So that's, you know, com- that's a good comparison that I think. And, you know, you got to make some changes there. I mean, and, and the, the big thing, I think the tough thing is, you know, the familiarity with, with, with Higgins and Coogler. You know, they go, I don't know, you know, how far they go back. No, they were here in the 80s. They're, they're probably here in the early 2000s when Cougar was here before Cougar went to Boise. But, I mean, it's just it's really going to be tough, and I think so. I definitely agree with you where I don't think that anybody should be calling for Cougar's head because, like I stated last week, I think he's building this thing the right way in terms of character, in terms of staggering classes and, and the recruits that he's getting. And not only that, but the type of football that he wants to play isn't bad, but it's just when you're missing so many keys and you're missing so many players – and you haven't developed depth from your recruiting, you got to find different ways. And that's where he's at right now. And, and I honestly think when we talked about his inexperience as a coordinator, as a head coach, is coming into play yeah. because he doesn't have answers, because he doesn't have solutions right but now. Let me ask you a question. Is it realistic to think? Because there's a lot of pieces that have to fall into place to run the type of system that, that Kugler wants to run. A lot of pieces. You know, you still have to have weapons on the outside. You have to have the running backs, obviously. You have to have a quarterback that you can trust that's going to run your system, that's going to be able to, you know, play safe, not make mistakes, so on. You have to have the offensive line. I mean, a complete offensive line. Is it realistic to think that you can build that type of team here at a school like UTEP where you only have so many, and I don't, I'm not trying to knock on any players. There's a lot of great athletes on that team, but you're, you, you've got only, you've only got so many upper level, let's say upper tier athletes, you know what I mean? Is it realistic to think that in the long term that you can build a program like this? I, I think I think what we're seeing now in the lineman that he's brought in, yes. But like with everything, it's going to take development. It's going to take patience. Three, four years from now, we probably will have a solid two deep defense offensive line if Kugler's still here. That's because what it takes. because it, that's what it takes. And that's what we're seeing with recruiting. I mean, right now, you know, we may be weak on the edges, but there's bodies that he's recruited, bodies that, you know, talk about Chance Bishop, Big Long, you know, uh, a, a guy that I've been really, really impressed with that's still a senior, Robert DeHaro from Montwood, uh, Marcos Lujan from Americas, all these local kids that are actually going to be pretty damn good linemen because they have great athletic abilities for their size. And I think that's really – I think he can because of what he has, but – it's just like everything with all these classes. Yes, they may be rated bottom of the barrel, and you're only and he's only really hit about a handful of guys that are actually playing. So it's gonna take years for these guys to develop, and that's really where his recruiting strategy is biting him in the ass right now. 
in a sense, you know, because in the long run, we may not be saying that three, four years from now when, you know, we can go through injuries unlike 10 this year and still be okay because you have guys that have been around. But the question is, the lack of development over the past couple of years in certain spots, how is that going to pan out in the long run? Because he's bringing in the bodies. But I think the bigger question, though, is that development. Can he develop these guys to to have that attitude of we're going to blow your ass off the ball, we're going to run the ball, we're going to be physical? Can he develop that is going to be the bigger question. Because he already to answer your question, I think he has with his recruiting, but can he develop that over this next three, five year, three to five-year period, which I can really see this program getting to that point where that identity he wants to be, where we have the bodies to do it. But this season, maybe next season, depending on who's on who grows up and, and who has a great, you know, spring camp, whatever, off-field issues, whatever it may be. But I still think we're about three to five years away because of the slow recruiting process and the slow recruiting strategy, which isn't bad. It's smart to run it here at UTEP, but it's not going to bring results this year in a year where you really need that depth that's just sitting around on the sidelines developing in the weight room. So, I mean, it's, it's going to be real interesting to see how his recruiting, like you mentioned, with, with so many, you know, what he wants to do and what he's done in recruiting, how does he develop that? And how does he go around and, and make that an actual identity and a strength where that's winning games and not just looking good, you know, to talk about here on the podcast? Of course, we're talking about the current state of the UTEP football team. Miners coming off a 52-12 to loss at Florida International out in Miami, uh, minus 2-4, 0-2 on the season. Out game 518 to 267 on the, on the day. Uh, Florida International actually scored five touchdowns on, on their first five offensive possessions, and mixed in there was a, a pick six on UTEP's third defensive possession. So this team had 42 points in the first uh, 20 minutes School of the record. game, roughly. School record first half for them. And we're talking about a team that was averaging less than 24 points a game, if I'm not mistaken, coming in. Um, but I want to move on a little bit. And, of course, if you all want to get in on the conversation, 347-934-0951 is the calling number. We'd love to hear what you have to say. You all know, hit us up. Uh, we're also on Twitter, at SBN Minor Rush, and there's an open thread on MinorRush.com if you all want to drop your comments there, and we'll get to those in a second. But I want to move in a different direction. Um, Something that 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 is is has really 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 bothered me, man. That we haven't talked a whole lot about. I mean, I know we've talked about it, but we kind of swept it under the rug a little bit. Um, the quarterback situation. Ryan Metz, Let's unimpressive. Two of four, ten yards, one touch, one interception against UTSA. He was twenty-three. I'm sorry, against FIU. He was twenty-three of forty-nine for two hundred sixteen yards, four interceptions, and a touchdown. Of course, two of those interceptions were returned for touchdowns. Um, very unimpressive since his his stellar start. And it's something that we talked about you know, coming on here was we're just we're, we're seeing the real the reality of it. We're seeing the reality of it. What, what we saw from him in those first two games was amazing, but it wasn't realistic. It's not what this kid can really do on a regular basis, and that's not a knock on him. But he's a freshman. You know, he's put in there. He's behind the eight ball with all the injuries, with the you know, no Aaron Jones and so on and so forth. So, you know, it's not to say he can't be that guy, but that's not realistic to think that he can do that on a game in game out basis. In this current situation. In this current situation. Um, but regardless, Ryan Metz gets pulled. Kavika Johnson is in there, ten of twenty, hundred seven yards and a touchdown. Um, you know, we were both. I don't want to go as far to, to say impressed. But he liked what he did. We yeah. liked what we saw from him. The kid fought hard. He did well with, with the, the situation that was presented to him. But he's not there yet either. Mac Leftwich this week comes in. 
apparently has cleared uh, concussion protocol. I don't know if that was this week or last week or when that actually happened, but he has cleared concussion protocol, and now he's back to first on the depth chart according to the El Paso Times, Brett Bloomquist. What up, Brett? What up, Brett? Shout out to Brett. Um, so all that little introduction there is all to say what the hell happened to Garrett Simpson. <laughs> and and yeah. and I'm sure y'all, and I don't mean to call it his dad, but his pops has been on fire on Twitter. If it's his pop, I mean, it's the last name Simpson, so we're putting two I'm and assuming, two together. Yeah, yeah we're assuming, assuming. I'm assuming. Big time pop, assuming. But, um, regardless of who it is, whoever that account is, it's been on fire. Spitting the truth. About, about what happened with Garrett Simpson because we were told coming into this season that this guy was basically neck and neck with Mac Leftwich for, for the starting job. And in my opinion, the only reason, and I'll say it again, the only reason Mac Leftwich got the starting job, and this is just my opinion, is because of who he is. His dad's a coach. He's a friend of the family. First recruit offered. First recruit offered. And obviously, it's because Coach Kubler feels like he can trust him to run his system. The kid's smart. He can take care of the football. He's not going to make a lot of mistakes, okay? I'm not, I'm not saying that, that he's, like, the worst quarterback in the world or anything like that. But in my opinion, the reason that he is starting at his size at a Division One level is because of his last name. His history with Coach Kubler. That's the only reason that he is starting right now. Again, I'm not saying the kid can't make plays. I'm not saying that he can't do well at the position. But what other reason is there for Garrett Simpson to not get his shot? That's the that's the million dollar question. I mean, what the, the best thing that Matt Leftwich does is he he takes care of the ball and he executes the game plan. But in an offense where you're missing your big play guy, you need you don't that that's something that you just don't need. And and hits us up with a really good question and I'm going to answer this really blatantly who do you guys think the best QB right now I think it's Garrett Simpson I haven't even seen him I, and I and I haven't months, even seen him but, but yes I, I mean it, it's crazy because this was supposedly the closest quarterback competition that Cougar has ever seen and Cougar to me I've got to give Cougar a lot of respect because he's been around a lot of good football he's been around the game a lot longer than I've even been watching football you know, for him to, to say that sounded real good, sounded real good at a press conference. But now we're starting to see some sort of disconnect, whether it's from the staff in Simpson or is it because Simpson understands your point of, you know, maybe I am getting spited. Because when I saw that drive where he got his ankle, he was or he hurt his ankle, he was four or five for 40 yards sharp. I mean, Simpson really was sharp. You can tell that this is a guy that worked hard to beat all the naysayers that were talking about he couldn't develop into this pro-style offense, that he was always trying to make the play and not really execute the offense. Well, I didn't see that at all from, from Simpson. I saw – when I went up to, to Riodoso, I saw Mac Leftwich struggle and go 4 of 16. I saw Garrett Simpson take this team down on a drive in a two-minute drive and score and hit Cole Freytag for a beautiful touchdown pass. So, to me, I just don't see why – he doesn't why he fell from one percent losing to now essentially four stream. I mean, that's the big question that that's gotta be asked. I haven't got a chance to go out there and ask Cougar. 
definitely Monday, that's my opportunity when the next press conference is. But, I mean, it's got to be brought to the attention. I mean, he's got to just address it. There's a lot of fans out there that are speculating what what it is. Is he in the doghouse? You know, did he underperform? You know, did he do something the coaches didn't like? I mean, I think as fans, when when you go out there as a head coach and you say, this was the closest quarterback position, uh, position battle I've ever seen with a guy who's established as Cougar's history is, I think there's you've got to come out with an explanation and say it, whether this kid isn't just cutting it either in the classroom, uh, you know, while they're studying this film or whatever you want to call it, or has he had a couple of bad practices. Yeah. But and, to and me, if, Garrett Simpson is the best quarterback on this reason, team right now. If there is a reason that he's not playing, I, I just I don't understand why you wouldn't come out and say something. Yeah. You know? But if there is not, if there is not a legitimate reason like you talked about, you know, he's in the doghouse for some reason, grades, missing class, just mouthing off to the coaches, I don't know, attitude, whatever it is. But if there isn't legitimate reason, then what's going on right now with him is complete bullshit, man. Yeah. No because other way there to put is it. no reason, no reason that he shouldn't get his shot, especially – on a two and fourteen coming off a fifty-two to twelve loss, looking for an identity, looking for an identity, there is absolutely no reason that he should not get a chance to show what he's got. I mean, it's 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 just mind-boggling because I mean, you hit it real good. Two and four, Cougar talks about we got to find out who we are, and you know we have some really good freshman quarterbacks. I think that are going to be, you know possibly cornerstones or pillars of this program. But you have a, a – and I almost want to call Garrett established just because he's been around so long. And it's, it's just it's just mind-boggling that you, when you're looking for something and, and you're you're running in these talented freshmen, well, why haven't you been the guy – why why wouldn't you give the guy a shot that's been there, busting yeah. his ass every day, yeah. shown, that, shown that he can carry this offense because he did in the fall – in fall camp and through spring, he was pretty sharp in spring too. Had had some issues, you know, from what I saw. But you can tell how much of a no gap less, that he no worked. Less or more than I should say, no more than any other quarterback that has taken the field for this team. And this I year. mean, it just it, it's just crazy. I mean, I I, I just you know it's that, kinda, that's it's a big kinda. that's just, it, it's a big disappointment, and it speaks to the levels of issues that this coaching staff may have that we're not seeing. It's kind of scary, man, because um, this morning I was listening. To First take on ESPN for the second shout out to Stephen A. Smith on the show today. Um, and he was talking about Pat Hayden. Who, if y'all don't know who Pat Hayden is, he's the, he's the athletic director over at, at USC. And they just had to fire, uh, or whatever you want to call it, let go of, I don't know what you want to say, but they basically had to fire Sarkeesian because of what he was doing. And I'm not trying to compare Sarkeesian and what and whatnot to, to Kugler in any way, but what he was saying was, how interesting the hire was, how they have like a committee at USC, right, of of former players, maybe coaches, maybe whoever it might donors, be. Boosters, yeah, donors that. that they kind of talk to and get, get an idea of like where they're at, what they think. And, and, and they said that Sarkeesian was sixth on the list. But Hayden and Sarkeesian are homies, and that hire gets made. And a homie price, probably. You know? And so – and so – not only that, but obviously there's been this issue with Sarkeesian and his alcoholism, which I'm trying to, you know, <laughs> say anything about that, you know. But, again, there's been that issue, and it's obviously been going on for a while. And they and, and, and Stephen A. Smith kind of kind of made the reference to him, Hayden, 
kind of sweeping it under the rug rather than trying to get this guy help a long time ago and say, hey, you know what? We're going to put you on lead and you got to go get help cleaned up and then come back and coach is, you know, being a true friend in that sense went around it and kind of try to play it off and on the rug, not let people find out. And then this whole thing breaks out, you know, where this guy's been showing up to whatever, you know, the whole thing happened there. If y'all don't know about it, just go read it on ESPN or wherever else. SB Nation shouldn't even be, I shouldn't even be throwing out. <laughs> go to the mothership, SB Nation. But, but anyways, the point is this whole thing of like, of, of, of Hayden, you know, hiring his homie and looking out for his homie and, in in in, in uh, Sarkeesian, it made me think about UTEP. And how Bob Stahl basically hired his homie. He hired the guy that he knew, that he coached, the guy that he's been around, the guy that, that he came knows. At a, a cheap price. You know, that came at a cheap price. And and even though Kugler may not have been the top choice for a lot of people. Now, I'm not saying he, he wasn't the right choice. Look, he's a son of the program. He's got NFL experience, so on and Took so forth. Took us to a bowl game. So he, he, yeah, I'm not saying it was a bad choice, but I'm just saying that connection of the, the the athletic director making this hire based not only but maybe mostly on the fact that he knows him that you know that that, that connection and and now taking that a step further and talking about Kugler kind of making these other hires which is normal I mean you, when you have a staff you have your staff that's your first staff but 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 Leftwich isn't necessarily been a part of his staff that was more of a homie hire. Yeah. You know, now his first offer wasn't necessarily the, you know, the, the the all-star quarterback, so on and so forth. It was the homie offer. You know what I'm saying? So I, it just, this whole thing, it made me think about this and how this program is kind of being run by like, I scratch your back, you scratch mine, we're friends, let's do this. But that's not how you build a successful program, you know? So all that said, that's what I'm trying to get to is like, that's not how it should be done, in my opinion. I'm not saying any of these people are bad people or like they shouldn't have a job or they shouldn't be the quarterback or anything, but I'm just saying when you do that, you're kind of limiting yourself. And, and, and you're going to piss a lot of people and off. And you're going to piss a lot of people off, and it's starting to show through, especially because Mac Leftwich hasn't panned out. Not that he's not good, but he's just not that player that's going to go out and be this you know first-team all-conference quarterback and, and throw for 300 yards a game. It's just not a game. It's not the system. But now you've got a guy in Garrett Simpson that possibly could be that guy. I'm not saying he is, but, you know, with where we're at, with the lack of identity, if, if we went out and opened up this offense for a guy with prototypical size and arm, you don't know what he could do, you know. But this whole homie situation is is just kind of throwing a wrench in the system. you, you got to go back to, th- to 2013 when Jamil Showers gets hurt. And you're thinking, well, you got Blair Sullivan, you got Garrett Simpson. Starts the rest of that year. I know. It's the same and, thing, and man. So that's really that, – that's, that's, and that's kind why, of a, And that's why it's all about – that's why I'm saying that the only reason that, that, that Leftwich is – his last name. No. You know, they made that decision. They made that decision when Cooper got the job that Leftwich was going to be the quarterback for this team. I mean, and he was heralded coming out of, of West Pennsylvania. You know, Cooper talks about he watched every pass of his career and that he was – called the sheriff over there. But, I mean, at this the end of the this isn't high school football. Bro. This isn't Western Pennsylvania high school football. And his only offer was to Stephen F. Austin, which, come to find out, was another homie thing because I think his father or his dad had some type of connection to Stephen F. Austin. So we just connected the dots right there. <laughs> you know, and it's true. But, I mean, and it's again, just – before you go on, I just want to say, I'm not trying to bash Kugler or Leftwich, but it's fast. just not the way things should be done. No, it is not – not with this team and not with the way – not with the momentum that was built off of last year. So, 
I mean, that, good points. I really, really, really agree with that. But let's let's move on here to some of the the questions and the comments that we got uh, from the open thread. Some really, really good talk over the past couple of days um, about this. And start off with Bishop Minor. Uh, Bishop Minor asked us, "Has anybody been able to get in on practice? If so, how are we looking? Is anybody looking good or need more work? Any of the freshmen going to redshirt, or will that wait till after the first few games? Can any of these young bucks rebound?" Um, first party question. I haven't had a chance to go out and practice. Really and it's been since, closed, really. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we could probably go on a daily, but I mean, with well, my job, I have to be there at eight thirty. They practice at eight fifteen, um, so I have no idea of who needs work. Um, you know, I, I know that they're high on a couple of freshmen, Jason Van Hook, the linebacker. Um, you, they're talking about basketball, homie. Oh, they talking about basketball. Kennedy, these young bucks Oh, we're talking about oh, <laughs> we're talking about football. Or I'm I'm still on the talking about practice. Thing. I'm talking, talking about, about practice. practice. Yeah, practice? basketball. We we haven't really gotten on. <laughs> we, we, practice is closed, so in the morning. Yeah, that's why. Yeah, my bad on that one. But are any of the freshmen going to redshirt? I think we'll have to wait for the first couple of games for that. Um, I mean, I, I think out of the guards. I mean, we really don't have that many freshmen that are really going to redshirt from the guard. But if anybody, I would see Romine. Romine, maybe that would get redshirted from that. I mean, that's just kind of a guess. You don't know what you're going to get out of Matt Wilms with the situation. So I, I really I think we don't see the, the – oh, he's about 6'7". He's not 6'8", 6'11". Everybody would say he's about 6'7". He's a little bit taller than Jake Flagg. Um, obviously, he will because he's not on scholarship. He's a walk-on. Uh, Tedrick Johnson, another walk-on. You'll see, but that, I, I mean, I just don't see that it. rebound. Something that we touched on last week, if I'm not mistaken, or the week before. But just talking about um, how I guess like guys like Broderick Jones, Paul Thomas, you know, these young these young forwards aren't really. They're not like you know. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they're not those interior postmen and, that are going to get ten boards a game. And so that's an interesting question as to where these come from, because again, up in the air, he's going to do and so on. So where you're going to get your rebounds from? You know, we talked about Hooper also about here. He's kind of been just not as strong as we would have liked, and he hasn't been that force on the board. So yeah, there's just a it's gonna it's gonna have to come from probably some of these guys, some of these young guys, some of these guards. Lee Moore, I think Lee Moore being a guy. I talked to Lee Moore about that, uh, you know, and he basically said that's something that Cougar aren't Cougar. See, uh, I'm gonna go to these that they're all football to basketball. I apologize, but going back to Lee Moore, when he talked about him and Floyd talking about that because I think I've mentioned it before. His freshman year at Wallace State, he was one of their top rebounders. He's that translating with the style that they may play, that attacking pressure, speed type of style. So that's a guy to look at. So all right, all right, we'll all right. go, we'll go one, down. We'll, next, next one, next one's a football question. Next, the rest of them are going to be football questions because as you were talking, I was trying to separate them. So, and this, this is a good one. Uh, how do you see uh, for another one for Bishop Minor? This one, a basketball question for our football. Real quick, UTEP B-Ball fan just asked, does anybody know why Simpson has no – not – I'm assuming he's saying not – um, I mean, as bad as we have been, this kid's still seen on the field. I mean, this kid has to be really bad or really in the dark. I say really we in the dark. We just went house. off on that for about 15 minutes. He's rewind it a little yeah, bit. If you, if you just time in, just just rewind when you and you'll you'll definitely hear us go off on that. But really, our our, our guess is as good as yours, man. But go ahead. That's one from Bishop. Offense looking next year. Lose goal. 
coaches mix in some more passes before AJ goes down again. I mean, that that's the million dollar question. I'm and, and kind of going. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna throw I'm gonna answer this because CVO31 also asked, do you see any next year? I could see offensively whether duties whether we're gonna see the wrinkle that is Kyle Miner. If I had to drop the draft a little bit better, but so you know that that tells you right there that the only you know adjustment or was a run was a running scheme that hasn't worked. I think it's really the opportunity to have quick to be able to to get, and we just don't have strong, really strong. But I don't to be able to make a wild minor with a guy like Kavika Johnson, who's the, like we mentioned, he's still a little behind as far as the, the, the speed of the game. Not next year, he's going to, you know, not be able to do that. But for a freshman to have a package, that's a better package for opinion. And, and I mean, you just, next year is going to be based. But now you're going to have here for three to four years. And we have Aiden Planky for two years. And we haven't even and uh, what's the other kid's name? The other JUCO transfer, uh, Elliot Oldham. Elliot so, Oldham. so maybe you know a guy like Janelle is a big part of an offense. That he's kind of he's like Atre Golden, but I think he's more built to be a receiver. Where Golden is still kind of struggling. His stats even show this year. Yeah. But you know, I don't know where this offense is going to go next year without any coaching changes. With the coaching change, I mean, it really. With the coaching change, I think we see some changes. Without a coaching change. I just really don't see it. And CVO31 also asked, what are your grading scheme on the coaching staff? I'm actually working on a midseason report post that I'll try to have out tomorrow. Flat out answer, coaches get an F. <laughs> yeah, and, and off of that coaching changes, it, obviously the, the, the scheme is an F, minus, minus, minus if I can do that. But the coaching changes, look, I'm not calling for anybody's job. That's, that's, that's a man's livelihood. He's taking care of his family, okay? But in this industry, you still have to produce. So, look, if I'm Bob Stahl, I'm going to Kugler and I'm telling him, look, you better make some changes. I'm not going to tell you to fire Higgins, but I'm giving you your time. You know, I'm giving you your years to, to quote, unquote, build your program, okay? If you're going to do that, then you need to save my ass because, yeah. in turn, Bob Stahl's ass is on the line, too. Yeah. You know, if Big this time. thing goes down the shitter and, and two or three seasons from now, we're back to two and ten, two and ten, two and, and averaging ten. fifteen thousand basically if we're averaging under twenty thousand. And and obviously basketball is gonna kinda hinge on that too. Yeah. We'll talk about basketball in a second, but if basketball is kinda sliding as well, Bob Salt could be on the hook as well. He here should in a be few years. He should be. And and so I'm if I'm Bob Salt, I'm going to cooler and I'm telling him, look, I'm not telling you you gotta fire anybody, but if you don't make changes and you wanna continue down this road then this is on your ass next year. And if things don't change you next year with this same thing, then you're out. That's what I would tell Kugler. I would tell him, you got one more year in this same bullshit that you're trying to run right now. You want to change it up? I'll give you some more time, whatever. But I, that that's my take on that. And, 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 I, told, and I told somebody, you, but there's gotta be I told you what I've witnessed after a couple of games this year. And I think that seed's already been planted. Yeah. I really think that seed's been planted. Maybe not that exact, you know, pressure, but I think that seed's been planning more. If this continues this year, next year may be that year. And you, you hit it right on the head with that one. And going back to these questions, minor money, when did you lose faith in Cougar? I think Anthony answered that as well. 
about when he lost it. I haven't, uh, let me say, I haven't lost faith in Kugler. I've lost faith in what he's trying to do right now. That's, that's the difference. I'm not saying fire him because I, I like his, his, his disciplinarian attitude, the way he's building his team with, with high-character kids. I like that. But you still have to produce. You can put, put all these Harvard students on the field. It doesn't matter if you, can, if you don't win in this business. And so that's what I'm saying. I haven't given up on Kugler. I haven't lost faith in Kugler, but I have lost faith in what he's trying to do right now, and things just have to change. And minor money, I haven't lost I, – I lost faith. Minor Money says I lost faith in him when he overused Aaron Jones during the Tech game. Hey, that's fair. That that's actually fair. But again, game. it goes back to what he's trying to do. It goes back to the scheming. That's what I've lost his faith in as well. That that fair game, man. Fair game. Minor Money also hits us with this is a really good one. This is kind of kind of what we were talking on earlier. How much? <laughs> I laugh because this question is pretty funny because it's true. How much did the piece of shit pre-conference schedule hurt this team? <laughs> And it's still to blame. We were the last team in the country to play a home game. I think to a point it did. Um, you know, I, I think obviously it hurt this team when you're slamming Aaron Jones into 32 or 24 dives against really stout defensive lines and really good athletes. I think that's really where it hurt it. Um, but you look at, I'm looking at the other side. I'm looking at uh, UTSA and how they've kind of benefited from their tough pre-conference schedule where now – all their young guys are battle tested and they could possibly make a little run with, you know, and they had, they've had their share of injuries too, but not to the extent, but I think the only thing that's really hurt this pre-conference schedule was the tough camp that, that Kugler put them through where they were already beat up going in Arkansas, where they're already beat up going in the Texas Tech. So I think it's part pre-conference schedule. And I think it's part of the really tough uh, camp that Kugler put them through that he admitted that they banged a little bit way too much. And that's on the head coach. But at the same time, with Stoll, I'm going to give – I don't know if we can give Stoll a pass, but Stoll lost a lot of money in the last five years of, the, the of that Mike Price that's era the with thing. attendance. So that's why we played A&M. Yep. That's why we played Kansas State because UTEP isn't a poor program. Well, they, they're, they're, they're well off, but if you want to live well off, you got to make money and yeah. you got to find those let ways. Me, let me say this. I, I give Stoll a free pass in that because of the situation with attendance, you have to play those money games. Yeah. You have to go find your money somewhere. But what I do not give Stahl a free pass at is the fact that schedules are made years in advance. When you're talking about these money games, when you talk about playing at Arkansas, they schedule that three, four, five, six years in advance. You can go look on, uh, I think it's cfpschedules.com or something like that. You can see uh, a UTEP schedule. The only exception was at Kansas State because Colorado was State was supposed to be But you can do that. that. But I'm saying this year – this year, you know, these games are scheduled years in advance. 2012, maybe even. And I understand you need your money games, but you're telling me that you couldn't spread them out? Even, you know, throw one later on or I don't know, whatever it might be, so that way you can have your six home games, you know? So this this was a scheduling error that was made years years ago, two, three, four years ago. I don't know. But this was a scheduling error that was made then, and that's why I can't give Stoll a free pass because he messed up then when he put only five games on this on this schedule can't, home games can't disagree with that minor money with his last set of questions has cougar lost his team who is calling the offensive plays and the best question of them all where did tyler batson go after the nmsu game i think cougars lost some of these guys I, I think he's lost i think he's lost the guys that have quit i think there's still guys that believe i think there's he still gets the most out of his players but he has a lot of guys that have quit 
Um, who's calling the offensive plays? Obviously, is Patrick Higgins. You know, I, now as far as how much input does Cougar have as far as game scripts and, and, and situations, I think maybe that could be 50-50. Um, and, and my big thing is where is Tyler Batson? I mean, this guy has just put up some really good numbers this year. 17 catches. Oh, no, that's right. And 13 catches, 202 yards, 76.5 catch rate on just 17 targets and a nine he's averaging 11.9 per target i've been saying that he's one of the better receivers that we've had even last year i was wondering last year where was tyler batson and, and this is another guy when we talk about the jaquan white the atre goldens the freight tags this is that has to get the football he's proven that he can stretch a field with some big plays did it against utsa did it against new mexico state did it against incarnate word it's the, in my opinion, where he goes, it's, it goes back to the identity of UTEP has no, has, doesn't have a fucking clue what they're doing on offense, what they want to be or what they want to do. And that's where you're seeing talent like Tyler Batson just going to waste with talking, looking at his numbers. All you got to look at is every time UTEP throws to him, whether he's catching it or not, he's averaging almost 12 yards per target. And that's just got to change. There's just so many changes that's got to do. Fuck it. <laughs> Let me take a step back. We're going to go back up here to, uh, Kid Miner had a comment. Um, he says, people complain about the coaching staff. Okay, fine. But how many realize they are part of the problem slash solution? Do they not understand money drives the train? UTEP can only do so much with an average attendance of 22000 Also, UTEP needs to do a better job marketing for them. Um, both working together not only helps the university, but El Paso. Well. You know, and, and Miner Fanatic had a response to that, and I'll get to that in a second, but... Um, He's right. Even though Minor Fanatic disagrees to an extent, he is right. You've got to have that money coming in. The flip side of the coin is that it comes down, and we've talked about this on previous podcasts, it comes back to which came first, the chicken or the egg, you know? Because you have to win football games to put people in the stands. But you have to put people in the stands to win football games because you need that money to to build a program. And and it just – it's hard because you want to say, hey, go fill the Sun Bowl, and, and, you know, then they'll start winning. You know, once we have the money, then the team will get better, and, yeah, that's fine. That's great. But it's hard for people to do that, man. You know, obviously the, the economy has kind of gotten better a little bit. We had the recession a few years back, and it's starting to come around again. But still, people don't have all this disposable income to just throw away. And, and, and it is. If you, and... if you have a family of four, even at 10 bucks a pop, you're looking at 40 bucks for tickets. You're probably looking at another 40, 50, 60 bucks in concessions. concessions. You're talking about your kids are like, I want a T-shirt. I want a pom-pom. I want a hat. I want a football. I want whatever. You're going to spend 100 to 250, possibly more on, on going to a football game. Okay. So this isn't just like, just go, you know. Now, that's not an excuse because you still have to support your team, you know, but I can understand when there's a shitty product out there, you don't want to spend drop your heart on money. Yeah. You'd rather it. go drop 160 and go to the movies exactly. than the you know, um, you could, So, uh, look, I understand that. The response from Minor, uh, Minor Fanatic was the whole money argument is rather simplistic and at best only part of the problem. FIU averages almost 8K fans less than us and continues to feel better and better football teams. Western Kentucky has has had two really good years in a row and appear to be on the rise for at least the near future. The, they average almost 5K less for home games. 
These are teams where a clear vision is in place and the coaching staffs are executing that vision. Attendance slash money play a role and are factors in the continued success of a program, but there is a whole lot more to it than the mighty dollar. Yes, Winner. right on the money, except, except when you start talking about programs like Western Kentucky, programs like FIU, they have – and this, this was a comment that the, that one guy I mentioned a minute ago that I got into it with on Twitter with and so on – talked about that he was right about, I'll give him that much. El Paso's a very, very, very tough city to recruit to. You mentioned FIU. That's Miami, man. <laughs> That's Miami. Like, you could you could go, you know, have a lot of kids come into Miami and sell them just on the beach and the girls and everything else. And, and they're getting Miami. The and they're getting life. Miami's and Florida's third and option, that, and that, too. Exactly. And Florida's also a big, big uh, football state, obviously. Um so that that Western Kentucky, obviously not you know Bowling Green is, is it not? Yeah, but, but, but they have access to Georgia, exactly, the South, exactly. right there. So they, they've also got a good recruiting area. That's the difference between UTEP. Well, when comparing UTEP to these other schools, I hear you. I hear what you're saying, but there is a difference in that they have better recruiting bases. That's that's the one thing I would say. But it, again, look, you have you have to support your team. You have to support your team. I understand why people don't want to. Kind of a, it, it, it's a give and take from both sides. Coogler has if Coogler wants more fans in the stands, he's got to do something to change the product, make it more enjoyable for people. Again, we're not even asking for for a, you know twelve and zero season and a BCS three hundred yard whatever, passing whatever, a game, BCS, whatever it is these days. You know, we're asking for a competitive product, man. And I know Mike Price at times you know finished three and eight four, or four and eight, five and seven, whatever it was. But most of the time, his games were fun to watch, and they were competitive. And, and UTEP was in the game trying to make a win. And, and with a coach like Kugler, when you're in games like that, you know, when you have that discipline, you could win those one-possession games. We just haven't so, seen it. <laughs> so that's the thing. You know, it, it, it comes from both sides. Kugler has to make the changes, and the fans will come. The fans have to come, and Kugler will make the changes. It works from both sides. Man. One more question before we wrap up this football talk from Lou Dip once again, number one retweeter out there. What happened to our running back dip? It seemed like the deepest, deepest position in, in deepest position in the offseason. And I think that dip went out the window once David Ham was in the part. I mean, that was a big, big loss because obviously something's up with Trayvon Hughes. I think he may have gotten hurt uh, in the last game, but I mean that was a big, big blow because you you talk about having Aaron Jones, David Ham, Lafasa, Lafasa. And Trayvon Hughes, that's really deep. I think that's really where things started to go the wayside in, in that perspective. And that's my take on it. Once David Ham went off and David Ham shown last year that he could handle, you know, I think he had like 14 carries for 96 yards and limited action, mostly in garbage time. But, I mean, this is a kid that really, when he played against Western Kentucky, showed what he can do. And, I mean, this is a guy that was just had put up ridiculous numbers in the Houston area in, in high school. And that was really a big blow. So, appreciate Lutep for it working the Twitters for you and getting these questions in, but where are we going now? Are we going to Conference USA football? Are we jumping, to, oh, are we jumping right Actually, back into is, football? I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. This has probably been the best podcast this year. Yeah. It's, it's been real. You know, we talked about all the issues. We have it. Like I said before it started, there's going to be no whole bar. going to be everything on the table. It don't matter. And, and it's been a real good episode. So I'm tempted. I'm tempted to just be like, let's just cut it there. <laughs> but now nah, we got to keep going. We got to keep going. Let's, let's turn to – um. Let's turn to some basketball real quick before we jump into to the, to the Conference USA stuff. We'll stick to UTEP. Um, real quick, a couple notes. 
So UTEP men's basketball team picked to finish fourth in Conference USA, selected by the coaches. Irvin Morris was selected to the 10-person uh, Conference USA uh, preseason team. Um, if you want that list, you can check it out on Minor Rush. I'll read it down as far as the, the standings, though. UAB came in first, 11 returning – I'm sorry, 11 first-place votes. They got a lot of returning players from that team that won the conference tournament last year. Old Dominion comes in second, uh, Middle Tennessee third, UTEP fourth, La Tech fifth, Western Kentucky sixth, and so on. Um, also, a couple recruiting notes, man. 6'3", combo guard, Tim Cameron. He's going to be uh, playing for Hardgrave Military Academy. If you haven't seen we got to check our timeline. Time I mean, that kid's got some bounce. Verbally committed last week, was offered in, in early September. Uh, last season, led Georgia 6'8", led his team, which was Norcross High School, to a 6'8 state title in Georgia. Averaged 13 points, 9 rebounds, 5 steals. I called him an elite defender and crafty scorer. And he also had offers from Houston, La Tech, Old Miss, Tennessee, and I mean this kid. Did I really put Old Miss. That old, had to be. Old, that had to be. That had to be a, a autocorrect from Microsoft <laughs> Word, bro. Oh, I, I know better than that. Yeah, no, nah, no, nah, you good, you good. But I mean, I think this is a nice. I think he, he reminds me really a lot of, of those those uh, Julian Stone type of uh, even even throwing a, a, a Jackie Streeter where he just, he's a good athlete. He's really not gonna score out. You know, he's I'm not gonna score. Streeter. Yeah, I'm maybe more of a streeter. He's. I think he's gonna be one of the better defensive guys we're gonna see over the next couple of years from Floyd. He has that athletic ability, but I think really it's a good it's a good fit because he's an athlete. You know, he's he, he may not. You know, you look at it. He's only averaged 13 points during the state championship year. You know, that could kind of look a little slighted, but he. I don't think he's a scorer. He's gonna be that dirty work guard for us. That's gonna be. Uh, in this new style, I think we're going to switch to with this fast pace. I think that's going to come up huge. You know, I still think he's got a lot of a lot of refining to do. Definitely. I mentioned that to you. But one thing that I like that's not anything to do with stats or anything like that were his offers. Because you look at the programs that he was offered, and if you look at the type of players that those schools go after, they're very similar. Yeah. They're very similar. Houston, La Tech, Ole Miss, Tennessee, they all go after a similar type player. And they're athletes. Yeah. So, so that show that says a lot right there. For all four of those schools to be on that guy, you know that they see something in him, and we're the ones that got him. So I really like that. And it was a good recruiting battle because we lost one with, with Oliver Powell. Yeah. Oliver Powell went to La Tech. You know, he was also getting – I think Western Kentucky was also after him. I think Rice may have been involved with him. So that's kind of big because I thought that was a big blow to lose a guy like Oliver Powell. To La Tech, but to get a guy like Tim Cameron, like you mentioned, is just a tremendous athlete, maybe one of the best athletes uh, kind of stretching with some of the guys that we sure, signed no, this no, year, but, but he could athlete. be one of the top athletes that Tim Floyd actually recruited, and, and uh, the, the class is still trying to build. I, I think, uh, you know, UTEP offered the 6'8 big man Kevin Morris out of Dalton, Alabama. Uh, I think they may oversign a Prop 48 kid because they're going to need another forward, and, and they're going to need a 6'8 big boy. I actually watched a little bit of Morris's film uh, you know, he's a big body, 6'8", real physical. And I think you'll see them oversign one, maybe two guys. I, that's just my take of it. I have no inside information on that. But I think they may oversign one, two, get a prop 48 guy, need some size in the middle. So I thought that was a very positive signing. And I think the class of 2016 with a guy like Deion Barrett and, and Tim Cameron, those are good gets, good supplemental gets because we're going to have so much depth. Uh, that's going to be developed over the next couple of years. So, but definitely, though, I think a big man, a, a power forward, more than a big man is needed in this it, it, to possibly round out this class or for sure in 2017. So really good notes there. Also going back to a question here from Picks Up, where he asked about a breakout freshman. Everybody has high expectations for more and artists. 
So I won't ask about the newcomers. Will there be a, a breakout freshman, true or redshirt, and who do you think it'll be? I'm going to say Broderick Jones from a scoring standpoint because I don't think there's – and I've said it before, I don't know if there's a lot of people on this out-of-conference schedule that are going to see a guy that's going to step out and shoot, step out and pump, and, and be able to, to, to basically work from the perimeter in – with his skill set, and I think you're going to see a guy like him, but I wouldn't count out a guy like Trey Tuchet in a shooter's role also. I mean, this is a guy that's really, really determined mentally to, to make a mark here, and I think if he is in that just that shooter role where he doesn't have to do too much early, I think we could see him break out here. Who do you see? No, I definitely agree with you, and I think more than anything, we got to look towards those guys like Trey Tuchet because we need that shooter. That's what's been missing from this team. We talked about that a lot last week, so I don't want to get too much into it, but we like we said, I don't know how long we're going to be mentioning Connor Tucker for, but yeah. since Connor Tucker, until somebody had, starts, until shooting. somebody starts, until Connor Tucker, I mean, until somebody steps in, we're going to be talking about Connor Tucker. But since Connor Tucker was here with that, you know, that set shot, he was deadly, and we haven't had anybody like that. And I think that's one of the biggest things that's been missing from this team because we've had athletes, we've had bigs, we've had good guards, we haven't had shooters. That's what's been missing. And if we can get that from this team, you know. That'll be big, and I do look to a guy like Trey Touchet because he is a guy that that was highly lauded out of back to back Gatorade Player of the Year in Louisiana. Talented. I mean, yeah, think about the guys that have down. came out in his class the past couple of years. I mean, I don't have a list, but I mean, Louisiana. You talk about guys that have just have gone on and played at LSU, all these bigger schools, yeah. and Trey Touchet was the Gatorade Player of the Year for two and years. He's there. had a year to grow and mature, and so I do. I expect a lot out of him. Yeah. I think I think he's got to be that guy. Like Obviously, it. we don't know what's going to happen with, uh, excuse me, with um, McSwig and Josh McSwig, right. and so. But you know, he would be another one that I would put in that yeah. category and look out for to be that set shooter. But we'll see. Obviously, the whole me thing with him, he'll probably be out a few weeks. But no, definitely he's the man. He, he, I, talking about red shirts. That could be a guy. Now that I think about it, you yeah. know what I mean. He could, he could be a great candidate it for him. That, that ego, really. Yeah, exactly. So it's, I mean, which next week, next Saturday, we get to watch a little UTEP basketball, with oh, the yeah. orange and white scrimmage. So we'll get to see some more. Maybe they'll have, you know, maybe I could catch a little bit of practice next week. I'm pretty sure they'll open it up to us to go talk to the players uh, before the first scrimmage. So it's gonna, it's gonna be interesting to see um, this scrimmage in the compared to past because there's so many new faces that we got to see and we got to kind of critique and see where it's going to go. So Utah basketball right around the motherfucking corner. <laughs> On the other end, uh, Utah women's basketball, Utah women were picked to finish fifth in conference USA um, by their coaches as well. Uh, Kamisha Turner is coming off a, a big year expected a, a lot of her a lot of expected for her. Well, I can't even talk anymore, man. See, I told you we should have kept it. No, a lot of us, just say it. Just say it, because I can't. I mean, he, he, I think this team is is going to be pretty talented. I, I want to say I read somewhere where they have nine seniors next year: Krishana Parker, Jenzel Nash. Uh, you know th- that transfer from Louisville. I think her name is Star Breela. I think this team is really, really going to be a force, a bat to being a force in the conference USA. You know, I think in, in more so when you have programs like UTEP at the women's level you're going to take your bumps you're going to take your 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 knocks on the chin and last year was one of that but we saw a lot of girls develop and I think you're going to see that too I think Lulu McKinley or McKinney excuse me not McKinley Lulu McKinney had a great year last year as a freshman I think she was all you know mentioned as all conference last year so this is a team that boasts some experience they also added a couple of new girls um where's that one girl that I saw um got it up here I don't think she's on here it's Barbosa, Jessica Barbosa, the high school girl that they signed, six one, 
you know, she looks like a really, really good athlete. So Keita Adams is going to have a lot of weapons, not to mention the girl that really turned it on the end of the year last year, uh, Lawana Kennedy, another 6'4". She was a JUCO transfer. Hey, she's from Norcross. Is she from, oh, no, Atlanta Metropolitan. I thought she's from Norcross with Tim Cameron. But that, I think that they have pieces this year. Can't forget about Deshiana McCants, the freshman last year, also had big years. So you saw a lot of growth with a lot of people coming back from injury and, and the pregnancy with Gentel Nash. This team is going to be special, in my opinion. I don't know about WNIT special. I'm thinking possibly how how it dictates. This team could maybe get back to the the NCAA tournament, but Conference USA is so tough. With Middle Tennessee, with Western Kentucky, I mean, those two teams are just tough. It wasn't back in the other days. Count out La Tech. I think La Tech will be back with with a Pat Summit son. But I think this team is really has just the pieces to be a successful, be what we've been used to under yeah. Keith Adams. Middle Tennessee returns, obviously, are coming off a real strong year, year last year. They're the favorites to win the league, and I think they got – Oh, Olivia 10. Jones is bad. She's a monster. They, I think they got all but – no, Middle Tennessee got five they, first play votes. Yeah, and they um, lost only one girl, I think, uh, one big Old Dominion, West Kentucky, picked up four each, and UTSA, who came in like six, if I'm not mistaken, six or seven, something like that, got, got one first place vote. Um, Don't sleep on these lady miners, though. But yeah, definitely looking forward to the miners. They also are coming up. They got St. Mary's on November 7th, their uh, exhibition. And then they'll open up the regular season on November 15th against Houston Baptist at the 2.05 p.m. Uh, tip-off in, in the dawn. So make sure y'all get out there and support them. But definitely. Could be another fun year hoping, with them. Hoping I think for so. it. Hoping for it. And the way Keitha coaches, that's another factor. Always got to you. Always got to account for the Keitha Adams factor, and she gets the real most quick. Going back to the to the comment thread, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce this, but Kanaima, Kanaima, I don't know what, but he says, "Homie decision started early." This is going back to the conversation that we had about uh, Cougar and Twitch and so on and so forth about making these homie moves. Homie decision started early. Pulling left Witch's red shirt instead of letting Sullivan play a couple of seasons back was the ultimate homie decision. Sullivan was smart to both program after that. Um, and this is something that I didn't even mention that we talked about is, is, is um, Simpson leaving the program. This isn't, it don't, this isn't any news, nothing like that. But if I'm Simpson, I'm out of, I'm out of here, man. And I should have been out of here last year, but I have one year left. I'm hitting up incarnate I mean, words. Yeah, whatever, <laughs> whatever it is. I mean, whoever it is that will take me at this point, you know, FCS, JUCO, I mean, honestly, I got one year left to play, and, and I'd be out of here, man. Because because what's what's gone on at this at at this stage, in my opinion, has been wrong. What they've done to them has been wrong. Unless there's a legitimate reason that we don't know about, like that. But again, we've been waiting for it, haven't heard anything. But again, what what they've done with that kid since since what Kanaima was talking about back when Showers got hurt. I mentioned just, that earlier. Know, that that was like the biggest red cho- flag. Right choices there. have just been it, it's wrong, but. That that is that's that's that there. Um, UTEP B-ball fan comes back in and says we need a Moultrie character kind of guy more than anything. Our Moultrie and character were very yeah, different players. I'll say that, but I do agree with you. That, that extremely athletic, big, um, kind of like a Vince Hunter, but Vince trying to play more of a guard type, yeah, you know, did. style. And, I think maybe a necessity because of yeah, what we had last true, year. But but we but. do need those bigs because, <laughs> and, and coming into this season. We really don't have it right now. Now, maybe Jones turns into that guy. Maybe Thomas turns into that guy as, he, as they grow. That, but as they grow, as they grow, they turn into those type of guys. But coming into the year, oh, that's – no, that's not a cool style. Uh, coming into the year, we just do not have that guy. You talk about Wilms. Wilms is not that type of guy. You talk about Hooper Vint. Vint is not that type of guy. We talked about Terry Wynn, but as we see now, Terry Wynn is giving more of a, 
more of a, a three. Yeah, three, three, he might be a, more of a, a three. Wing. So we really just don't have these athletic bigs that we saw when when. when uh, or Roma, you forgot about Romine because he's a good-looking athlete. Well, Romine, he's he he's, now, he's now, got to develop. Talk about Romine real quick. Whatever happened with this whole situation, man? Because I know he got sick. Yeah. He lost a lot of weight. What was yeah, when, when we talked to him when we had our our medium every summer? You know, UTEP they open up the freshmen. He said he was good. He said he lost a lot of weight, but that was back last December. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he said that he recovered. He even came back and finished out the season. And like I said, it was a scary thing, but he was able to to replenish that and, and put that on. And you look at him. I mean, the guy doesn't look like a freshman. And, and, not, and not only that, but a just turned 18-year-old freshman. Yeah. That's the thing about him. He, he's going to be one of those – he's going to be just so defined once Coach Jones has him in that weight room over the next couple of years, where I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. But he's a little bit behind the eight ball, and he's going to be thrown into that fire. Maybe that will help him. But that's another guy to not really sleep on either. Maybe not this year, but over the next couple of years too, you'll really see him kind of blossom and come into his own because he's a really good athlete. Like I said, he's built – like a damn 24-year-old man already, and he just turned 18. So that's another guy, like I said, don't sleep on the road, mind. Good comments, good stuff coming out on the comment thread. Again, y'all want to join in. We still got a few minutes left, 347-934-0951. Y'all want to call in, get on the conversation, give us your comments, questions, concerns, thoughts, opinions, whatever it might be. We're here to field and we're here to talk about it. So um, give us a call. Let's, let's move on and start talking about some Conference USA football real quick. I want to run down. I want to start doing this, okay? I just decided. Now on the podcast, we're going to have a segment. Maybe we can get a female in here. My wife, she might kill me if we bring somebody <laughs> else in here. But maybe we can get a, a lady in here to come in and be like our scores slash news going on around <laughs> Conference USA. Like we break. That'd be cool. That'd you know be what cool. I mean? All right. Cool. But until then, until that comes, which is probably won't happen. But until then, <laughs> I'll do it. How about that? <laughs> so we're going to do scores and, and, and upcoming games. Uh, Friday, October 9th, Southern Miss at Marshall. This was a crazy one, man. I really thought Southern Miss was going to be turn that more, corner. Little, yeah, that's what they were going to turn the corner. I thought they were going to be a little more prepared. But Marshall, and, and then another thing, on the other side, I thought Marshall wasn't this team. They turned it on 31 10. Marshall takes out Marshall Southern Miss. Marshall four um, turnovers. Marshall improves to 5 and 1 on the season, 2 and 0 on Conference USA, while Southern Miss falls to 3 and 3, 1 and 1. UTEP obviously at Florida International, fifty-two to twelve Saturday morning. Um, we don't got to talk about that. Four zero and two in conference USA. Well, Florida International improves to three and three, one and one. With Middle Tennessee at Western Kentucky, another one that was kind of a shocker. A lot of people <clears throat> really had Middle Tennessee <clears throat> really high on their list. <clears throat> really like Middle Tennessee. Hey, I'm I'm not fifty-eight I'm twenty. St- I'm still not down on them. <laughs> 58-28, Western Kentucky took care of business. Five and one now, three and zero in Conference USA. I think Western Kentucky is just that yeah, good. I think I, honestly, I was talking with my grandpa about it. I really think that over the next couple of weeks, they could get some votes to be a legit top twenty-five team. They For could, one, they have a they damn. We know it. their offense. Number two, their defense. They is playing needed lights that out. Illinois win, though, yeah. man. Like yeah. that was just such a, a huge game, and they had it. I mean, this team could literally be on the verge of, of going undefeated because of the schedule, because of the conference. You know, and possibly breaking into that that playoff situation. And Doty's hot back to back four hundred four hundred yard games. He's gonna, I mean, he's gonna get a lot of attention. That that Illinois game could really be a big one for this team. I mean, they'll still make a big bowl if they go eleven and one, whatever it is. That was a big loss for them. But yeah. Western Kentucky took care of business fifty eight twenty eight at home against Middle Tennessee. Middle Tennessee drops a two and four one and one on the season. Uh, Rice picks up a, a win at Florida Atlantic. Tough one. Can- they should have lost that game and all. I was watching that game and all. Honestly, they should have lost. I, actually, you know what? I, I recorded it 
it went to a, a delay. It, they had a lightning delay in the fourth quarter, and it was they were down two scores. They were down 27 or no 26 24 or 26 14 I want to say, and when I checked the score, I didn't get to watch it because, like I said, it cut off, and I didn't get to watch it. I saw that score, and I, I was thinking, how the in the delay. hell did they come back? I didn't back? see the delay, but I saw the 26-14, and I was thinking, um, yeah. FAU. And then all of a sudden, I could look back at 27-26. Yep. Rice improves the 3-3, three 2-1 three, in Conference USA. Florida Atlantic is now 1-4, 1-1 in the play. Portland State, in the big, big, big shocker of the day, Portland State just rocks, rocks North Texas. On their homecoming. On their homecoming. North Texas drops to 0 and 5 and 0 and com- 0 and 2 in Conference USA play. Now maybe it's not so much of a big surprise in seeing that you know Portland State is 4 and 1 and they did go Washington to Washington State. State, picked up a win there. Um, Washington State beat Oregon. Don't have the biggest wins other than that, but you know, so this is a team that is a bit proven. But still, it's one thing to lose to Portland State. It's one thing to lose to Portland State on your home field. It's one thing to lose to Portland State on your home field on homecoming. It's a completely different thing to lose to Portland State on your home field on homecoming 66-7. to That is just crazy, and we think we have problems here at UTEP. Oh, and oh, yeah, their head coach got fired. And after their the head game. coach got fired. I don't even think they let him make the bus, man. Nah, that's, that's crazy, man. Last game of the night was Louisiana Tech. Most they, entertaining they game. Out, uh, Texas, uh, San Antonio, UTSA, 34-31, and that's a tough one for, for UTSA because, you know, they, they – they are coming off that win against UTEP. I think they had a bye week, right? No, 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 they no. Not. UTEP, and then, yeah, you're right. UTEP and then La Tech. But that, that's a game that they probably felt like they were poised to, to come up with a, with a big win and really turn their season in the right, in the right direction, and that loss hurts. Yeah. Uh, La Tech improves a 4-2, and 2-1, two, two and one, while UTSA falls a 1-5 and 1-1 and one and one on the season. Um, coming up this week, Thursday, ooh, Thursday that's two days away, Western Kentucky at North Texas. Man, if that game is anything like that Portland State game, and obviously with Western Kentucky's offense, good luck. That line started, I think, at 26, and look where it's at now. Yeah, that's a big mover. That's a big <laughs> mover. But Western Kentucky at North Texas Thursday, um, Saturday morning, kicking off at 10 a.m. Mountain Time is going to be Lock Tech at Mississippi State. That's a game that could be a close one. I mean, Southern Miss held up with Mississippi State, and now granted it was at Southern Miss, so it was a home game, Lock Tech's on the road, but – that's a game to maybe look, maybe maybe look out and for. And Kenna Dixon is kind of questionable too, so that's a big deal if they're without Kenna Dixon. Marshall is at FAU, also a 10 a.m. kick. That's a game that Marshall can't afford to slip up no. with, which, which we know Marshall slip ups. And they're starting um, to surge. They're they really are. starting they to surge. So that's a game they kind of they got to keep pushing forward and, and, and see what they got. Uh, Florida International also a 10 that could be the best game of the day. Middle Tennessee. That could be a, a, a very good game. So we'll see what happens in that one. 1:30 p.m. Charlotte at Old Dominion. That should be a good game, too. I mean, both teams roaming around the bottom of the league. I think league. Old Dominion oh, rolls, that's though. Gone. Who is that, Duda? Big bomb. Dang, that's gone. That's Darno, no, 28. I think yeah, Duda's 21. Murphy. Murphy. We don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> Back to our regular schedule program. I mean, last game of the night, 5 p.m., UTSA yeah, at game. Southern Miss. You know, that's a game that UCSA probably hoped they could win that one as well, coming off that win against UTEP. And now that looks, man. One and six yeah, that's that's going to be another. Those the two games that jump out at me was the Middle Tennessee FIU game. That's an important. That's an important game in terms of bowl eligibility. And then the UTSA Southern Miss game. The way that things are going with Rice, that could be a, a matchup where that could possibly dictate the West ranking. The the, the West the West standings later. So, and it, going to our Conference USA Power Rankings, the way that I looked at it, I feel there's. Tiers that have separated themselves. Yeah, definitely. in a big way. 
Let's start up at the top. And I think I, there's I think there's one tier on the top. Yeah, yeah, I think it's yeah. One. one. There's one tier at the top. I'm going to throw Western Kentucky, Louisiana Tech, and Marshall. And those are our top three teams. Louisiana Tech was tied with Marshall. What I did this week, I threw in the sergeant rating as a, as a decider. I'm going to start doing that. Just the, the, I'm going to everybody's vote, and I'm going to throw in the, the top 25 rankings for the Conference USA. That's what decided it with La Tech. There's your first tier. Second tier, I'm going to go with the four through seven. Rice, Middle Tennessee, Southern Miss, and even FIU, because FIU yeah, proved no, that they yeah. – FIU proved they're for real. And then you get down to this middle tier here, to the third tier with uh, UTSA. Pretty ODU. much everybody else. Yeah, but UTSA, is if they beat Southern Miss, sure. their schedule is pretty patsy the rest of the way, where the way that this, this team can kind of get together would be kind of maybe fun to watch to see them. But, I mean, that's really where these tiers are. And it's really those top three. Like I mentioned, Marshall is surging. That's going to be interesting to see how far they can catch up Western Kentucky before they play. If, if they – I think they meet up on the last week of the season, if I'm not mistaken. If they can hold – if both teams can hold their water and go into that game undefeated in conference play, wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow in that one. But, I mean, really, I think – Now, for I, me – now, for me – I think Western Kentucky's going to get their own. Match. Yeah, I think so too. I, and and I think Marshall after the, after this last game, in my opinion, Marshall showed that they are still that top team. I had Marshall as two. Where'd you so go? I, I didn't vote to be honest. Oh with yeah, that's and right. I told that's you right. That I, where'd I you go? Down, you would man. go. You would you no, go? No, I'd go Marshall too. Yeah, that's and, right. And I would. I'll, you know, make not to make an excuse, but I'm one of those voters that didn't vote this week because. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you gotta pretty much UTEP through, and then my Cowboys, and yeah, I just tuned out of football and missed the deadline, but. Um, yeah, so, so Louisiana Tech comes in at number two, but I have Western Kentucky kind of in a league of their own. Marshall's kind of creeping up into that that conversation, you know, being one A, one B. Yeah, exactly. But but right now I've got Western Kentucky head, head above everybody else, head and shoulders above everybody else, and Marshall's kind of just right behind them. But in the rankings, Louisiana Tech comes in number two, Marshall number three. So I would actually kind of say that it's, it's one tier with Western Kentucky and then another tier with Louisiana Tech and Marshall and then another tier with the four that you talked about, Rice, Middle Tennessee, and FIU. And then after that, it's kind of just everybody, man. I know that UTSA kind of came up with this big win against UTEP. But let's be honest, man. Like, And, and I hate to hate on UTSA, but we always do it, you know? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know they beat us 25-6, to 6, but – we sucked, man. Like we played, we played terribly. Game planning was terrible. Oh, we were still in it in the fourth. Interceptions. You know, it's like, I, I yes, you guys definitely did some good things to, to to win those games, but really, like, you aren't any better than us. I haven't FAU seen them put together or Charlotte or any. No, I don't think any of those teams. Once you pass seven, are really better yeah. than than the other. You put somebody on a neutral field and play them ten times, you're probably gonna. It's probably gonna be five and five, six and four. They're always gonna split, you know, with all those teams down. That's just the way it is. But anyway, and, and the league, I, I mean, really, the league has has gone down. Cause last year, we had two legit tiers yeah. and everybody else. Now, you can just like you said, you can argue where there's one legit tier yeah. with two teams, maybe point five, point seven yeah, I mean, behind. Either is way, that, at most it's one legit tier. Whether yeah. it's one team in that or three was is your your own argument, it, but. But it's, it's one legit tier in this league, you know, really. And, and it speaks to how shitty the league is when a team like 1-5 UTSA has bull hopes because of their schedule, you know, and, and who they play and teams and that they eight. can possibly they're beat. Eight and they're eight. In the league. Yeah, like, it just shows the, the – the, there's really no parity. The bad t- – the lower-tier teams are bad, throwing UTEP in there, and your upper 
class team, not upper class teams. Your upper class team was really, really good. So not really a good balance like we saw, even going back to 2013 when there was some decent balance in there. So uh, my biggest question is, does Conference USA fill out their whole, you know, bowl obligations? Because it's not it's not really looking like no, it. As, as of today, as the quote-unquote midpoint of the season, I mean, really – Well. I'm- it's tough. Middle Tennessee, you, I'm still you, high you, on them. I mean, you're still high on Middle Tennessee, but at two and four, they got a lot of yeah. work to do to get to ball eligibility. I, I don't know their schedule off the top of my head, but they got a lot of work to do, especially going to start with that FIU game. That's going to be a, a game that might game. send the loser kind of yeah. – yeah, And it, it could be Middle Tennessee if, in a big way. If Middle way. Tennessee loses that game, I mean, they're almost yeah. guaranteed on the outside looking in. I mean, it's going to be tough to win, what, five straight to get in. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean, you're right. You're definitely going to have one – I'll give Louisiana Tech two, three. You're definitely going to have three teams. I mean, I think Conference USA has five and one I think alternate. Six and, or something six, like that. And, six and an alternate. Six and an alternate. So at least you're six. So you've got three guaranteed, and you're going to have three that are fighting for. It'll probably end up getting there, but yeah. It's, you it's might have two. a couple of six and six. Yeah, you're definitely <laughs> going to have a couple of six and six teams, but. Oh man! Another, another, with the another, whole, we went to almost with the whole minute, thir- yeah. the whole hour thirty. That's almost on a bye week on too. Bye. Usually, I mean, the past couple of years we've been well, MIA on a bye week, but there was a lot to talk tough, about. Man. I don't know about what's gonna happen with next week's podcast with no football game to talk about, but I guess we could just harp on the same stuff we did tonight. Hopefully, some news <laughs> happens that we could talk about. Maybe we'll hear some. We'll get a preview. Yeah, uh, I think FAU has a SB Nation guy that we he votes in our, our so we can just devote it to a whole FAU preview and yep. But lots, lots, lot off the chest today. Good episode. I hope y'all enjoyed it. Y'all know where to find us. Minorrush.com, at SBN Minor Rush on Twitter. Uh, SBN Minor Rush at gmail.com. Facebook.com slash Minor Rush. El Papi Chulo, 915, homie G-Dog. What's up, Austin slash Houston slash San Antonio. Um, go Astros go tomorrow. Astros, Somehow uh, come, come out of the depths of getting – Going a six-two lead at that's, the crib. That's your, that's your, isn't that your screen name on? What is it? Instagram or? Yeah, I don't gram. Or uh, I'm, not a, a, I'm, I'm not a gramer. I'm not a gram. I, I have Periscope. Sexy, sexy chulo. The rush has Periscope, but I don't really use it. Maybe one, <laughs> maybe one day I'll, I'll, I'll Periscope myself at the crib doing oh, what I do. Man, dude. All right. Good one, man. Hope y'all enjoyed it. Until next.